That's a dreadful ball and Chelsea could be in here with Goff who goes for goal and scores! Finds the back of the net! Henri! What a goal! Inspiration for Arsenal from Thierry Henri! Miller, lovely cushion header for The Ghost Goal Podcast. It's that time of the year. Midweek EPL football is back. Wolves and Neto shocked Chelsea on Tuesday with a 2-1 win, which would have been the biggest surprise of the week. However, West Brom went to Manchester City, scrapped a 1-1 draw, and fired Slavin Bilic after and brought in Big Sam. On Wednesday, Arsenal got another player sent off with a red card, but able to hang on and get a point at home against Southampton. Liverpool had a dramatic game with Spurs and a game that looked to end 1-1 before Roberto Firmino scored from a corner kick in stoppage time. Their champions returned to being in first place on the table with the victory. And today, Manchester United got a 3-2 victory over Sheffield United. United who have a game in hand are just one point out of the top four. That's Manchester United, or one game out of the top four. Sheffield United stuck on one point. Welcome back to the Ghost Gold Podcast. I'm Andrew Passaro. Got the whole pod back together, Alex Moss and Javier Arevalo. Along for the ride, how's everybody doing today? Pretty good. I th- I'm pretty sure we summoned the uh, Big Sam return. We did. We didn't call uh, it to, to West Brom. We called it to Sheffield. Is he like... Is he like the manager version of Beetlejuice? You just say his name three times and he just appears at one of an, another Premier League club because Beetlejuice, I did not Beetlejuice, see that Beetlejuice. Uh, well, yeah. Allardyce, right. Allardyce, Allardyce. I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm very surprised. I'm very surprised that Manchester City and West Brom drew in that game. I'm impressed that West Brom were able to go to City and get a draw, but I, it also makes no sense to fire. I mean, that's quite possibly their best result of the year. Like I'd seen a few West Brom fans on Twitter talk about how they always get piped by city. So I'm very surprised that they make that move. Like it, it timing just didn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, their minds must've been made up from, from games uh, previous and, you know, they must've been going into that game with the, the, the I mean, the higher ups must've been going into that game thinking it doesn't matter what he does today. Like cr- the Christmas period is here. The games are about to come th- thick and fast. It's time to get Big Sam in. And honestly, I I don't think it's the worst move. I probably feel more confident about their chances now than I did uh, under Slavin Belic. Um, but yeah, d- there is a tad bit of injustice to uh, the idea of firing Bilic, like just after their best result of the season. So um, maybe he'll pop up somewhere first, else. Didn't they, get a, get, didn't they get like a 3 0 win to get the boot earlier in the season? So I don't know if that was like their best result, but. Well, no, I just mean but, the, the win they this had. This is Manchester City. Well, yeah, yeah, the opponents they had. Everyone would have expected them to lose. Yeah, I, I, I would say this is the best result of, the, of their season. I forget who they beat. I think it was like Fulham or Sheffield or someone. But, you know, they, they have like one or two wins and then uh, a draw with Chelsea. I think I actually think they only have one win and it came against Sheffield. So, yeah, the, the draw against Chelsea and Manchester City you'd think would be enough to sort of build on for Billich, but uh, I, I guess what's Wilder what's holding on to then, to panic you know, with bit. his one point and right. I, I think they just like, yeah, him. he's just, yeah. I think they're just confident that even if they do, I, get I'm a little bit worried about city though. They keep getting, the these, they keep getting these shitty results and getting these draws and, you know, games that they should be winning 
and they're they're not banging in goals right now. So I know that they had that one five nil against Burnley. But we've yeah. been saying that all year. I, just, I don't I don't see them as title contenders. You know, I think that they need to to get a few players to, especially the David Silva, which we've been talking about. They still haven't replaced him, and they just don't have that creativity in the midfield outside of De Bruyne. And it seems like if De Bruyne isn't you know scoring and assisting, then they're just not winning games right now. You know, Sterling's gone cold. Mares is hit and miss. Jesus doesn't score enough. Bernardo Silva's non-existent. It's just for me, this this City team, these players who we used to hold in such high esteem right now this season just have not been at it. So, I mean, they're one win. Well, they've got it from the from top four. They're three points off top. But like four for right Manchester now, City standards, against like Aston for Manchester Villa. City standards, you know, they usually start the the season off with you know much better performances than this and sometimes they go through mid-season bad patches but to not start off well for a Pep Guardiola team is pretty rare to see well they've got a tough game this weekend they're going to take on Southampton at Manchester City yes no actually no they're, they're not at Manchester City that game's going to be at Southampton Southampton drew 1-1 against Arsenal we'll talk about that in a minute but City have now drawn their last two games the table they're, they're down at ninth in the table they're only four points out of the top four right now. So, I mean, there's still a lot, you know, we're, what, a little bit more than a, th- a quarter of the way through the season at this point. But you're right. They do eventually have to get things going. And they don't have the luxury of having a full week off next week like a lot of other clubs because they're still in the League Cup and they have to play Arsenal in the Carabao Cup next week. So the games are going to continue to come hard and fast for Manchester City. Are they going to be able to get three points against Southampton this weekend? I'm I'm not I'm not so sure they're going to. I think that they might might get a draw. Uh, maybe, but I also think they, they seem to be struggling against uh, some of the low block teams right now. And Southampton are playing really well right now. Like though, that. So. Yeah, but they they can leave themselves open. They're, they're they they they're they're not completely devoid of a bad performance like the the Brighton game that they barely won or drew a few weeks ago. Uh, you think on based on like their overall form that Southampton should be winning that game easily, but they just didn't really show up on the day. Uh, I mean, Ings being back is nice. He's had a few games and uh, hasn't really scored or gotten uh, going again yet, but he, he looks very active. So that's a, that's a plus for them. But I, I think that if you come at City with an open, uh, high tempo like pace to the game. City are going to get the best of that more often than not. And that's the kind of thing that can kind of kickstart their season is a, is a nice little 3-0 win against Southampton. I, I think I'll probably say this is like the the game that kickstarts uh, City's season. I'll say like 3-1. 3-1 Man City. All right, so Alex is telling you to take the I'm over gonna say in that two, game, two. which I'm not I'm gonna sure you're going to get great odds on. I think it's going to be a fun one, but... I lean more so to that with Javier. I, also the over, which is at plus 132 right now. But... I, I see this as a draw. I, I see this as a game where Southampton aren't going to be intimidated by Manchester City, especially the way that they're playing. Even as good as they have been historically, I don't I don't see Southampton walking into this one scared, especially not with the form they've had this season. Uh, speaking of Southampton, they got a 1-1 draw with Arsenal. Another red card, uh, two yellow cards for uh, for Gabrielle. Theo Walcott scoring against his old, uh, his old side, and then uh, Aubameyang. Uh, finally getting on the, the score sheet positively for Arsenal. Who's going to start at center back this weekend for, for Arsenal? It's got to yeah, be I'm Luis, guessing, right? you know. Javier? They're, they're, might, 
Yeah, we we they might, travel to I, I Everton. Feel like we might go back to the three at the back and do like a David Luiz, maybe like Mustafi and holding back three or uh, Tierney move Tierney to to. I don't know what Kolasinic is doing, but maybe Ainsley Maitland-Niles starts like at left wing back, Bayern at right back, and we play like Tierney, David Luiz holding, so that wouldn't be that bad. Honestly, Gabriel's been playing almost every game this season, and you know I'm glad that he's going to be back for the Chelsea game. It's only a one game suspension because it was only it was two yellows, um, and you know I was trying to I was calling for like a draw to be a good result in this game, and yeah, I'm not not too unhappy with the with the draw against Southampton, you know. I, didn't think we played particularly badly. I thought in the first half Southampton did, you know, dominate the ball and and looked good, but we looked decently threatening on the counterattack. They got their opening goal with a pretty pretty bad defending, you know, just let Theo Walcott kind of waltz into the box and, and chip the keeper and you know, the the, the center backs got their positioning wrong there, which was it, it seems to happen a lot and if we want to be a good defensive team, plays like that can't happen. But then in the second half when we started, you know, we we had a really good opening 15 20 minutes where the team came back we got our goal we looked really good <laughs> and then it seems to happen almost every week you know Gabriel gets sent off and at that point we just you know we took off and Ketia brought on David Louise and just sat sat you know 10 men behind the ball and defended so pretty happy that Southampton didn't really get any chances after that you know it, it made it much harder for them once we actually just kind of shut up shop and decided to get a draw you know we we kept them out and it's slight progress on like the last few weeks considering we've been losing every game. So, you know, bombing back on the score sheet, you got to think that maybe, you know, after this run of Everton, Chelsea, we have a pretty easy run, quote unquote easy. We have like five or six decently, um, you know, easy games, you know, at the end of December and then going into January before we, we start playing all the big top sides again. So, you know, a couple of decent results here, a couple of wins, and then we might be able to get a little bit of a run going, um, which would get us back up the table. This this would be the perfect time to start it. So, you know, against Everton, a, a team that is back on form right now has gotten, I think, two back-to-back wins to against teams that maybe we weren't expecting them to get wins against in, in Leicester and Chelsea. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what to expect. They're a little bit of Jacqueline Hyde right now. You know, they... Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't, and I, I'm I'm a little bit scared of Dominic Calvert-Lewin, though. Obviously, I think that he's the type of striker that our team has a lot of problems with. Someone who can run in behind and be physical at the same time. I think everyone has problems yeah. with him. He's he's just a nuisance. He just throws his weight around, and that penalty he's, uh, won against he's plus us. Plus one twenty to score any time. He's plus one one twenty to score any time. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, not the worst call. Uh, he he hasn't scored the last two games, but he's like he won the penalty against Chelsea, and then he set up the uh, first goal for Richarlison in the uh, in the Leicester game. So he's not exactly playing badly, but he's not banging goals in at the moment either. But I, I would worry if uh, I would worry just about Gabriel being missing because he seems to be like by far Arsenal's best defensive uh, presence at the moment, and. You know, you can kind of plug in players to make it look like a like an okay formation, but I don't know how it'll hold up in this one game. I, like, I would be surprised if Arsenal won this one for sure. I'd be would be surprised, and a draw is probably the best they can hope for. You know, Everton will be at home; they'll have their fans in there again, like they did for the Chelsea game. And uh, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough one. I'll probably say like one nil Everton. 
Or maybe like 2-1. 1 nil. I'll stick to. I'm going to say 2 nil. Everton. Uh, Everton are plus 135. They're on my uh, on my card for the weekend. I'm absolutely jumping all over that. Everton at home against Arsenal. Javier, uh, especially with all know. the suspensions. Uh, I know this isn't the same Everton side as usual, but we usually get good results against Everton. So I'm going to say 2-1 Arsenal. I'm so quietly confident. Yeah. I think right, we're going we're gonna to win there this one. There it is. He's letting himself dream. Speaking of Everton, they got a they got a big win. Uh, I, I would, yeah, it's a big win. Leicester, Leicester, are pretty far, far up the table. They've been in good form. They get a, a nice two 0 victory on Wednesday afternoon over Leicester, and Leicester have a big clash this weekend with Tottenham, which opens the door for us to talk about the Tottenham Liverpool game, which um, I have not been that nervous watching Liverpool in a long time. This was probably like the first game, like post Van Dyke, with all the injuries and stuff, where I've really been. We might like lose this one because Tottenham are very very good off the break like like they're there we said it on the pod the other day the best in the league off the break and what do you guys think of Mourinho's the better team didn't win quit at the end of the game after Liverpool won 2-1 over Tottenham and and took back the top it's just the classic Mourinho deflection tactic anytime he his team falls short in a big game he was he would always prefer for the uh the attention and the focus to be on him people think that's like a an arrogant thing but i actually think it's probably one of his most genius traits is that he immediately lifts the pressure off of his own players and places all of the the ire and of neutrals on himself because i don't think anyone like you could see on klopp's face like he walked right up to klopp at the end of that and was like the better team didn't win and klopp's face is like all right sure bro uh, like he yeah. knows just to be like, all right, sure, whatever. But everyone else, all the media are going to, they're going to be focused on that conversation. It's kind of similar to the, uh, uh, the Chelsea four nil that he had when he came back to Stanford breaks for the first time with man United uh, and, and conceded in the first 30 seconds, he walked up to Conte, grabbed him and then like gave him a lecture about being more like graceful when you're up four nil and Conte just went, yeah, whatever, because you've never celebrated. And he did the same thing. He didn't really care. But the media jumped all over it. They were like, what did you tell Antonio? And that's what they focused on, other, rather than the fact that his team just lost 4-0 to a title rival. So it's a normal Jose Mourinho move. They had a pretty good performance, and they probably could have won that game if Bergwijn had scored that chance at 1-1, where he's just cleaning on goal. Yeah, when he hit the post. Yeah, they had a very good game plan. They just missed their chances, and Liverpool eventually took theirs. I, I think we mentioned last week or the other day that Firmino was going to have to have a big game, and it wasn't just the the uh, the winning goal. I, I remember two other chances that he had where Lloris had to make like really good saves to keep them out, and... It, it made me think that oh, was the Firmino's only corner back. he got forgotten about that wasn't the only corner where they missed uh picking him up but uh, the person there's two people i want to highlight and they're both youngsters on the team i thought reese williams looked really really good which is a huge like which is a huge sign for us there was a couple times where you know he jumped out of you know the the back line made an interception and got the ball right back up the pitch and it's like holy shit this is the exact type of thing that Virgil van Dyke would have done and the kid was playing like non-league professional football in like the sixth tier in England last year they have a lot of hope for him and they put him in that league because it's like very physical and they wanted him to get acclimated to that you know a very physical style of, of play so I'm very pumped for him because I thought he did very well and the other one is I mean we keep saying it every week almost but Curtis Jones yeah. looks like he belongs and he's 19. And sure, I definitely still think he's making that mistake of 
takes one too many dribbles before he should just shoot. And But that will come, you know what I mean? Like, knowing the exact time of, like, when to lay the ball off on a breakaway or all that stuff is going to come, especially when you've got guys like, you know, James Milner, Jordan Henderson, Tiago in training. Tiago, by the way, back in some form of training for Liverpool today. Not expected back until the end of the month, if not early January. But I'm very excited for what, for if Curtis Jones continues on the path that he's on, this is a guy who's going to be a player in this team for for years to come so i'm very excited about that and uh firmino getting a big goal i think is just big for his confidence as they approach the weekend and as they continue to you know come down the stretch here uh, i saw that it was like his sixth game winning goal for liverpool and there's been a couple against tottenham so i'm not overly shocked that he's doing it to tottenham yet again but uh pumped to get that guy back on the score sheet especially at home uh well we can talk about liverpool palace over the weekend but let's talk about leicester taking on Spurs this weekend. This one's at Tottenham on Sunday uh, Sunday morning. They're going to bounce back and get three points. I don't see how they don't. I know Leicester. I still think Leicester in good form, but I still think Tottenham can beat Leicester. Yeah. And I'm, regardless if they sit back, I still I still like the pieces that Tottenham have a lot more so than I, the pieces. Just, I don't, I don't just know. briefly, like, I, just, I, I want to mention, like, Mourinho said after the game against Liverpool, he was like, oh, the better side lost. And I was kind of laughing because... Uh, there was points in that game where Liverpool had 80% possession and Tottenham, like you could tell, every time they got the ball, they were like panicking, hoofing the ball down the field. And you could... Yeah, but I explained why no, he said that. No, I know, that. I know. But it's, you it's, could, not cause, it's not because he really believes it. But you can it. tell it's that... It's functional. You know, this Liverpool side, I think, and I've been saying it all you know, all, all season long, I, I still think they're favorites for the title. I think even with some pieces missing, they really dominated this Tottenham side that I thought would get more chances. I know Harry Kane had like... You know, a really good chance off a corner that he kind of he kind of just put it over the crossbar and, but I mean, Tottenham scored on their only shot in the first half and Liverpool could have definitely scored some more goals. Tottenham are just really really frustrating to play. You know, they they they're they're now a team that it seems like their players, especially Eric Dyer, he's he's back on form. Like he's blocking shots all the time. Hoiberg and Sissoko did play really well. I thought Hoiberg was was really good and he's played every minute of the Premier League season for Tottenham and he's really changed this Tottenham side to 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 being a Mourinho side, you know, to just being crazy good defensively and and a, a very good on the counterattack and Harry Kane seems to be the perfect striker for them. And I agree, I think that this is the the type of team Leicester who they also like to play counterattacking. They used to, you know, they like to sit in a low block and and play on the counterattack and I think Tottenham will have a lot more of the ball in this game. So I'm curious to see, you know, if 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 this I could see like a nil-nil in this, to be honest, because I could see both teams oh, trying not to that. not to concede here. And yeah, I, I mean, well, no, because there I comes a point. There this. comes a point in any game like this where it's two good teams who would both rather not have the ball, where uh, one team gets a little too overconfident in themselves and a little bit too naive, and uh, you know starts trying to push the envelope and make things happen, and they get hit on the counter. It happened in the. Uh, the Tottenham Leicester game near the end of last season. I think it was the second to last game of the season where Tottenham ended up winning like three nil Kane and son just tore them up on the counter. Uh, Rogers had a completely injury depleted squad and he still decided to go with a more like possession heavy style. And he just got completely shredded on the counter attack. So with that so fresh in, in his mind, just a couple months ago, I'm I'm hoping he doesn't fall into the uh, into the same trap, but you never really know with Brendan Rodgers. That's kind of his mo. He likes to 
get on the ball. He'd rather do that than sit back and defend. But he's he's sat back and defended uh, a couple of times this season and made it look good, like the Leeds game. They were a better team than Leeds, but they sat back and let Leeds have the, the ball. The and City game's the, the one that like sticks out in my mind, you know. Yeah, the City game too, and then the Arsenal game that they won one uh, nil. They're they're capable of getting like a result here, maybe even a win. But I think I'm going to lean towards draw. I think it's going to be like a high-scoring draw, 2-2. I'm going to say 1-0 Tottenham. I'm going to take... Uh, 1-0. I'm going to... Yeah, I think 2-0 Tottenham. Uh, no, 2-1 Tottenham. I feel like Jamie Vardy gets on the score sheet. Uh, uh, Tottenham plus 110 right now at home. By the way, Son, Son and Tottenham. Harry so Kane, I, I mean, they still that. haven't... Definitely. haven't. Usually during these run of like like hard games, they stop scoring or at least Son does, and I think he's he's sitting top of the goal scoring charts right now, and you know he's just been banging in goals left and right. It's it's scary to see if if this continues, and I know Alex has been calling on the pod for one of them to get injured or both at some point, but if they stay healthy all season, they're going to be in it for the title till the end. So, I mean, all I'm saying is just name a team this season that hasn't had like one of their one of their better players get injured one of their important players get injured you know we're seeing Chelsea go through it right now with ZX and finding out like how important he is to our team uh so I I just I don't know if it's going to be over Christmas it might be in January when FA Cup comes into play and uh, and I believe Tottenham are still in the uh, Carabao Cup because they beat us to to go through so uh, they'll have that to contend with. Maybe if they go to the semifinal and have to play two legs in the Carabao Cup semifinal, that, that's another uh, stumbling point for a lot of teams in January. It's It doesn't just end around Christmas and New Year's. It keeps going probably into February. And even then, that's when European uh, games come back and you have the knockout stages of Europa League or Champions League. So th- there really is no break this year. And it's going to affect teams at some point. Tottenham, you're right, Alex. They are still in the Carabao Cup. They do have to. Uh, they'll probably get through though. They're playing Stoke away in the Carabao Cup, so they'll go through, and that's more games in the schedule for them. Let's look at the next game here. And you talked about Chelsea there briefly, Alex. Do you want to you want to jump on the fact that they lost to Wolves two one with a late goal from Neto before we, they we did uh, say Pod- Podenza Neto West Ham were really going to be the goal scorers yeah. if if they I, were going to get I goals. Specifically, Andrew being like. Who's going to score for Wolves? I mean, who like who's going to get the goals? Right. I mean, Javier, the first two names we named, those are the guys that uh, do it to us. I thought they deserved uh, it too, yeah. honestly, on the day. So I thought they played. I don't know about deserved decently. it. I thought I thought a draw was probably the the fair result. But then Chelsea were just so naive at the end of the game there to throw six men, yeah, six or seven I mean, men into the box to try and win it. The last ten minutes, when you know Wolves how much like, pace they have on the counter. I was going to say it was, they had, it, Wolves, it was naive. Wolves had opportunities like that the last fifteen minutes, probably. You know, three or four times where Podence or Neto picked up the ball and was able to run like 30 yards down the field. And I just thought it was a little bit odd that they, they weren't getting those opportunities earlier in the game and Chelsea were just really going for the win, I guess. But if you want to be a title contender, you can't be losing games like this. There was a statistic that came out this last week, and Wolves wasn't even included in the statistic, but Chelsea haven't beaten a team in the top half of the table. So all of Chelsea's wins have come from someone who's been, you know, below 10th place 10th place or below which i think is very interesting and i think proves to me that they're not so, going to be title contenders this year like yeah you, I, I would agree you guys are going to make talking, top four i'm was, sure but or you know most likely yeah. but you're not going to be in it for the title when it when it's coming around so so i flirted with the idea of uh 
thinking, all right, maybe Chelsea are, are one of the at least teams in consideration for the title right around the time that we drew with Spurs, when we couldn't manage to convert one of those chances against Spurs and get the win there. Uh, then I thought to myself, you know, a title winning team usually puts one in at least against that Tottenham team, especially at home. Uh, and we didn't do that. And then obviously followed it up soon after with these two losses to Everton and uh, Wolves, where we just haven't really looked like sharp. The tempo of our passing is really dropped off. There's been a lot of sloppy passes. Ben Chilwell, who's been excellent for most of uh, the games he's played in this season, uh, gave the ball away 30 times, which is the most any single Chelsea player has given the ball away in, in a single Premier League match this season. So there's cer- you're certainly starting to see signs of uh, fatigue uh, that aren't really helped by some of these injuries that are forcing players like like Timo Werner to keep having to play out on the wing and keep having to play every single game. Uh, because Ziyech and Hudson-Odoi are still out. It, yeah, it, it's something... Alex, I wanted to ask well, you Well, I was going to say, I saw on Twitter right after that Chelsea game, Andrew, you were talking about Chelsea needing to switch back to like a 3-5, uh, 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2, like we saw at certain well, times. Well, I think you have the personnel for 3-5-2. We certainly have the personnel, like, but I don't think we need to switch to that would, like formation like strictly. I think in a 4-3-3... Uh, and I especially thought this against Everton, and this was like the major flaw against Everton and uh, again uh, against Wolves, is we have the personnel from a 4-3-3 with N'Golo Kante sitting as the, the, the deep uh, midfielder. We have the personnel to just, when we're in possession, just do the, do what France did. Let N'Golo sit in the middle between uh, Kurt Zuma and Thiago Silva in a back three when we have the ball at any counterattack that is coming at you with those three, you're thinking they're gonna they're gonna mop it up. It was a good strategy for France. It was very basic, and you know they they had Varane and uh, and MTT to deal with, which is probably a slightly better uh, pairing than Zuma and uh, Silva. But I don't think it's that big of a difference. Just give Reese James and Ben Chilwell the license to get down those wings. They don't have to worry about defending. Get down those wings, own those flanks, and let players like Mount, Havertz, Pulisic, Werner, let them all focus on making runs in the middle, causing havoc and interchanging in the middle, which we just haven't seen enough of. We've seen it in bursts on like the left wing against Wolves. When Pulisic was playing on the left wing, him, Mount, and Chilwell were absolutely tearing Semedo to, sh- to shreds. As soon as we switched Pulisic over to the right wing and have Werner come over, all of that chemistry that was like doing so well there in the first half against Wolves just completely went out the window. So we, we've got to start figuring out ways to, to get back and click into place those, uh, those link-ups and the chemistry that was building early on in the season. And... It's going to be tough against West Ham because they're obviously they're another team that's going to be sitting deep on us and looking to counter, and they'll specifically be playing a three-four-three or a three-five-two. So it won't be much different uh, than it was against Wolves, and it's a team in West Ham that did the double over us last season. So I'm uh, I'm certainly concerned, but I think that we can you know start to turn things around in this game, especially with like basically the full week's rest where a lot of other teams are having to play Wednesday and like, like Liverpool played Wednesday playing against Saturday where we played Tuesday. We're not going to have to play West Ham until Monday. And then we don't have Carabao cup to worry about. So our next game will be after Christmas against Arsenal. So I think like it, it, maybe if like Ziyech or Hudson-Odoi come back ahead of schedule, we could, 
we could make it like a bigger win, but I think we can just hope for like a two-one win against West Ham this time. I I don't know if you're gonna win. I just uh, yeah, West Ham are playing so well right now. You guys are not on good form, and you know this West Ham team. I take the I take the. I take West Ham not West Ham lost their playing so well for me when they didn't get all three points against Palace. Like you can't be and you can't yeah, be West Palace, Ham's in really Palace good form are right now and playing well right now too. I mean they they've had some they've had some decent results playing, this season and they're not, you know, like if you look at the table, all right, yeah, Palace Palace are they're, 18, yeah, they're, they're, they're five, 6 points off five. top 4. Like they're not playing badly right now. I mean, they're only 4 points behind Chelsea. Two points behind like City. I'd be, I'd be a bit worried if I were you this Wolves. weekend. I, like, I don't think Palace are going to get a result against Liverpool, but you know, they're not. They're not if, a bad if team. If they're right sharp now. enough, they can cause you problems. Christian Benteke <laughs> scoring goals again. That new that you know winger they have, uh, Ezekiel Eke Eche. He's Eze. he's added like another dimension to the team where they actually have two. You know, back when they had um, Yannick Balassi actually playing for them and Zaha. You know, it was actually like a team that could score goals and look threatening on the counterattack. That's what they are now, and I'd say this Eche kid is even better than Balassi ever was. So they're they're a dangerous team now, and if they actually have a center forward who can score goals again, like Benteke, I think has three in his last three, then they're they're a completely different side. Who they, their injury problems are, you know, that they had earlier in the season seem to be, you know, relieved right now. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you're giving Palace enough credit right now. And I think West Ham, the way they've been playing, they're a point behind Chelsea. Like they've been good so yeah, far this season. They're right there with us. You know, they're like again. I don't think we're giving them enough credit. I think. I think. I think this is going to be a draw. I think two-two or one-one. Maybe not as high scoring, but again, I think this is this is this is the type of game that West Ham have been getting decent results in so far. And you know, un- until Chelsea gets. Ziyech back, gets Havertz I, I, actually I playing is, well. Then. This might be the game we have to rest Werner in. Yeah, because there there isn't there's not going to be any space in behind. Giroud is obviously in good goal scoring form. He scored two in his last three Premier League games, and then obviously the four against Sevilla. I think you stick with him, uh, with Havertz playing just off of him, and hopefully Pulisic if he can stay healthy, uh, and then. You know, like I said, allow Chilwell and Reese James to just bomb crosses in, and, and I think Giroud against a team like West Ham, he's the best option we have to unlock that low block and and at least get some get us on the board early and get us on the board first because that's going to be huge as well. If West Ham get the first goal and then are completely allowed to just shut up shop, then it's going to be a rough go for Chelsea. I, I but know if that we get the first I know that goal, West Ham lost against United. Yeah. But, like, the way they played in that first half just made me think, you know, they're going to be beating teams in that, you know, top five, top six this season. And they've, other than those first two games of the season, they've looked good in every game they've played. So even if they haven't won or they've drawn or lost, they've still had really good periods of play. And I'm sure they're going to have a good 30, 35 minutes of play against Chelsea where they look really good and get chances. So, um, And Chelsea, are, are just, they're allowing teams to to get chances against them right now. You know, they're like Alex said, they're playing naive right now and I think Lampard's still a young manager and makes mistakes much like Arteta and Ole. And I think that those that's not going to like go away this season. I think all season long we're going to see you know, growing Yeah, he's growing in year pains. 3 of his managerial career. Yeah, exactly. So I think we're going to see still some growing pains for Chelsea when it comes to teams like West Ham. And I like, you know, I don't think there's going to be fans, right? I think London now doesn't have fans, so yeah. yeah, no more fans. I'm, I'm going to say 1-1. One, one. I'll stick to 2-1, Chelsea. I, I would feel... 
I would feel better betting on West Ham if I knew Mikhail Antonio was available. And I know Sebastian Haller scored that. Yeah, probably the best goal. He's of the starting to, you know, find his form a little bit. And even just, when he's not scoring, he's making himself don't, a nuisance. I don't love him yet. I don't love him yet. I think there's a there there's a chance that the, a player like that could could emerge. Um, by the way, Christian Benteke not available to play Liverpool this weekend because he got two yellow cards in that game against uh, West Ham. So that's uh, that's notable for Palace. The only really big team we haven't hit on yet is well, I mean, we talked about Wolves. They're playing Burnley on Monday. That's the early game. They should handle Burnley, right? Like I mean, we, Burnley have got Burnley got a two, two clean sheets in their last two Burnley games. Doing fine. Yeah, they're they're you know seemingly. We always count Burnley out, and then as soon as we do, they they go on a little run where they'll get three or four clean sheets in a row, a couple wins, and who knows, you know. Do, do you want? Do you know what's making me stick to my uh, leads or getting relegated prediction? It's the fact that mm-hmm. uh, Burnley and you know we yet to be seen, but Fulham, West Brom now with and Fulham, but West Brom now with Sam Allardyce. Uh, the, the main thing that's uh, keeping my leads getting relegated prediction from happening was the fact that there were three or four teams at the bottom that were absolutely just stinking it up other than Sheffield. And now Sheffield are pretty much completely doomed. So that's one that's one relegated team down and there's two open spots left. Uh, I think with West Brom and uh, Burnley and Fulham starting to find their uh, form a bit more, West Brom again, yet r- remains to be seen like how quickly that... that boost can happen with Allardyce but if it does then all of a sudden Leeds and yeah, you also thought uh, Newcastle were going to be looking, after, weekend, looking over and, their shoulder you know Leeds pounced yeah, on I them mean, 5-2 so I, I, I was saying is it could be another defensive team that gets the best of them and you know they, they, they finally ran out of energy in the last 10 minutes and conceded three goals and it made it look way worse I, than it I actually was I kind of feel like United are going to struggle with them a little bit just well, that's exactly just, where we're going. Yeah, Manchester just United because um, the way that Leeds play and how they like to attack you. And, you know, United got a 3-2 win over Sheffield today, but it was close, man. Like <laughs> Sheffield had some chances in the first half. They could have had a couple more goals and near the end of the game as well, you know, when they made it 3-2. It was definitely, it was definitely scary days for United and, you know, wins a win. But I thought they were going to easily beat the Sheffield side. They didn't. And... I think they're going to struggle with a team like Leeds. I think Leeds is going to outwork them in the midfield, outrun them. I don't think United have the personnel in midfield to to cope with with what this Leeds side is going to offer. And I kind of feel like Leeds are going to get a sneaky win, especially because United have been kind of dog shit at home so far this season. So I know they've been kings on the road. I'm still leaning on United. I know you are. You always go against Leeds. I don't think you've ever predicted a Leeds win this season on this pod. I think I have. I don't think you have. have I don't think you have. But I'm going to say... Well, I mean, Javier, you forget the really important fact that fuck Leeds. You know, you're, you're forgetting yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, sure, fuck Leeds. <laughs> also, next, you gotta be, okay, you next gotta be to the Chelsea-Leeds rivalry that people of our generation just are completely unfamiliar with because we haven't had the chance to watch it for the past 15 years, fuck Leeds. Manchester United-Leeds was equally as big of a rivalry. It's Yorkshire versus Lancashire up, up in the north. Uh mm-hmm the two biggest clubs from uh, one of the two biggest clubs from both those regions uh, going head to head and both teams with a ton of uh, history and success in the English game. And also who also Alex, you think that Bielsa is overrated, but we got to mention along with uh, Klopp and well, Klopp won the award today for FIFA best manager of the year, but Bielsa was in the top three, like 
awarded I mean, managers. Flick should have Flick should have won it, but you know you learn everything you need to know about that award by just seeing Bielsa in the top three. Because you know, I don't know what about like Jorge Jesus, the uh, the the Flamengo manager, the Portuguese guy who like led that Brazilian team to the Club World Cup. Like, what about all these other managers in other leagues that are doing well? They just go, oh yeah, we're going to pick a guy who won the second division in England with a team that was already just saying, Alex, you know, richer than every leads, other team uh, in that league. You know, apparently FIFA agrees with us that Bielsa's you know some kind of god. So, yeah, well, yeah, I, I think I think congratulations uh, to Klopp and and I think Son won. They're getting a tad. They're beginning a tad too far ahead of Son, themselves. Son won the, 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 the Puskas Award for his goal um, against Burnley last year. So that's uh, that was a great. It was goal. a great goal. And, and yeah, Lewandowski, Lewandowski rightly got rightly best got player the, of the year, right. which, which he deserved. I, I think it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that he isn't going to get to win the Ballon. I mean, we can we can all, we already hearts. we already nominated him as the Ballon d'Or winner, and at least winning yeah. FIFA Player of the Year that means you know it's 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 an award that gives him the the recognition he deserves for this last year. So, what are we thinking for the uh, Manchester uh, United Leeds United prediction? I said three two Leeds. I'm taking the over. I'm taking the over. Uh, which is at plus one forty five. That's on my card. I, I could see a draw. I, I, I really could. I also I agree with Javier. I don't. I think Leeds is a cheeky, nice little pick because United have been, as he said, dog shit at home. But there's a player I want to highlight for United who is kind of playing well. Paul Pogba. There's number six. Name yeah, is he Paul had a Pogba. Nice game today against if, Sheffield. He had a nice assist. This is the kind of game you need him to be at his best for. Because if he has one of those sloppy and performances, if he he's going to get robbed of the ball and they're going to concede a ton of goals. But if he can like withstand their pressure, kind of hold players off with his physicality and then play balls in behind like we saw against Sheffield, then they'll tear leads apart. Because I think they're going to win like 3-1, but I'll, I think I'm going to say 4-2. Uh, that Rashford, Bruno Fernandez, and Martial now, you know, finding his, scoring his first goal in the Premier League this season against Sheffield. There's going to be multiple chances for all of them, and they're uh, they're players that need a lot of chances to convert. So I'll uh, I'll stick with Manchester United and probably a pretty big win, four two. United both the scores plus one eighty. Take that. You can't get United at pu- at regular money at plus money just straight up. Leeds both the scores plus six fifty, which is just ridiculous odds. Uh, but I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with the over. But uh, yeah, I, I think United win probably three one, three two. I do just want to ask one quick question about Sheffield, and then we'll call it a day. Sanderberg goes off with an injury in the tenth minute today. One of their better players. Are they going to beat the nine points that the Derby team got with the worst takeaway ever in the Premier League? I think we talked about this last year. Preseason. I feel like Sheffield are going to get some. Like, they're not playing that horrendous. bad. That Derby team was losing every game, like four nil, five nil, six nil. Right. It was like they they conceded like eighty goals or some shit and scored like eleven. So like I don't think Sheffield's going to be that bad. Um, and I remember that that Derby team they got one win all season, right? And like five draws. I think didn't they end the season with eight points? Nine. Nine I think points. It was, I okay, it was nine. But I feel like I think, Sheffield I think will get like better than nine. Yeah, I think Sheffield will maybe get up to like seventeen or. 18 points. They'll get, a, they'll get a few wins in there against your Fulhams and your West Broms and you know, I'm sure they'll get like a cheeky win against a Leicester or something down there. So, I'm not I'm not completely sold on this Sheffield. I mean, I know that I think they're going to get relegated, but I don't think that they're worse than this Derby. Oh, side. they're getting relegated. If one point and it's December relegated. 17th. They're getting relegated. All right. Um that wraps it up from us. Tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, coming up next week, we'll have uh 
We probably won't react to the Carabao Cup, but uh, if Arsenal get a big win, I think who do you guys have? Don't you have City Spurs? Yep. Don't we have Spurs? The Carabao Cup? No, it's it's Manchester City. Say. All right, well, rip. Yeah. Uh, Andrew said Spurs have Stoke. So gotcha. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so maybe we'll react to that depending on no, how no, the games no. go. But if Screw not, that. we'll be back next there's, week. There's a great there's a great set of Boxing Day games happening the following Saturday. So. Uh, we'll we'll yeah. have plenty to I talk mean, about, we'll including big, Arsenal, speaking Chelsea. Speaking of boxing, yeah. Canelo, Canelo Alvarez Christmas. fights this weekend, so that, that could be a oh, could be well, a fun one to watch. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, follow us along on Twitter and Instagram at Ghost Gold Pod at Andrew Pissarro at AS Moss ninety two at Javier Rev nine. And until next time. Bye.